This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome to The Gospel for Life. We are at the first part of 2023, and as we enter this year, our hope and goal as host of this radio program has been to try to direct you back to some big texts that hopefully then shape and guide you as you approach all of the unknowns of 2023. And we're doing so hoping to answer three questions. What is this passage telling us about God? What is this passage telling it about us? And then the, the so what part. And I would encourage you as you read the Bible just on your own, and do your own individual study that you use a, a at least a similar type of framework sometimes we can be pretty pragmatic in our approach to god's word and we come to it and say okay i'm going to read this text and i'm going to then just apply it right out of the shoot and say well what is this telling me about how i'm supposed to live for today yeah yeah what does this mean for me yes. yeah and, and you know that's first of all you need to understand what it means yeah <laughs> And I think we need to understand that it's a revelation of of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first thing that we – the reason why we've been given the Word of God is so that we might know God. And Calvin and his institutes begins by saying there's really two questions that you have to ask. What do I know about God? What do I know about man? And then Calvin says it doesn't really matter which one you start with. You need to answer both of those questions, but I'm going to start with God. And and I would say the same thing. It really doesn't matter if you start with what does this tell me about me, what does this tell me about God. As long as you answer both questions every time you come to a, a text of Scripture, you're, you're going to be fine. I think Calvin was right, and I know he really feels better knowing that I've affirmed him. Um, he probably doesn't care. No. <laughs> but this idea that those are the two big questions, mm-hmm. and just keep answering those two questions before you jump to application. Yeah, A.W. Tozer would say the most important thing that you can think of is, what do you know about God? Mm-hmm. All of that as a backdrop to our scripture for today, which is Ephesians 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10. This is uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 in the New King James Version. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is one of those texts where I I think we're going to flip the questions and start with who are we, just because that's how the text Mm -hmm. starts, begins. So what does this tell us about who we are? That we're just kind of sick spiritually. Oh boy. Not, not uh, just we're, sick. We're dead. We're dead spiritually. Yeah, I was yeah. just saying it that way for yes, a reaction. But yes, we are. We're dead. All the reformed yeah, days. We're, yeah, it's we're, like we're in the Princess Bride, you're only mostly dead. Mostly dead. Mostly dead. <laughs> you're like, no, you're, you're all dead. All dead. And as dead as can dead, dead can be. Yeah, dead can't do anything. But he also lays out what that deadness looks like. We were slaves to our own lusts and desires. We were walk according uh, to the prince of the power of the air. Uh, that is Satan himself. We are children of wrath. Just laying layer upon layer upon layer that as bad as we think we are, we are far worse. Yeah. And he does it in a way, this is Paul writing, and Paul writes very similar truths in the first part of, of Romans, Romans 2, Romans 3, and it's, it's an all-inclusive, all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. Here it will say, among whom we all once lived. So there isn't a little asterisk saying this applied to some people, right. but others, mm-hmm. they're okay. They're mostly okay. They, you know, little rough spots here and there, but yeah. They're mostly dead. They're mostly dead. Yeah. Now, this, this is very comprehensive language. This mm-hmm. is how all of us were. We were all children of wrath Mm. and so sin has unfortunately because of what adam and eve did in the garden affected us all devastated us all yeah there really are only two kinds of people there are those Mm -hmm. who are dead in sin and those who are alive in christ Mm -hmm. yeah there's a, a spiritual there's a dividing line that goes right through humanity as benny's pointing out so why in the world would we want this as a text for our listeners to know going into into the year? If that's what we're where we're at, that we're dead in sin, that we're all children of wrath, that we're all slaves to our passions and desires, why are we picking this text? Verse four. But God, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> you the know? big adversative in the whole thing yep. that flips this flips the script right there. But God. Because if you only answer who we are then it's not a great text. Bad news. But yeah. we, we also want to ask and answer, well, what does this tell us about God? Well, what does this tell us about God? And, and to that, there is an importance of considering who we are because I think it was R.C. Sproul, I saw it pop up in my feed, Facebook feed, a quote of his, that said, in order for us to really, I'm paraphrasing, in order for us to really know the good news, we have to know the bad news. Yep. And so Paul here is letting us know the bad news. You know, you can liken it to, you know, if we're, if we have some type of medical condition that we have speculation of, that we we're, we're suffering from it, but we don't do anything about it. We just, I mean, and ends there, then, 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 yeah, the story is bad, but there is this, then yeah. solve, uh, there's this yeah. healing. Jack comes. Miller would say, cheer up, you're worse than you, <laughs> worse <laughs> than you think and cheer up, you're far greater love than you ever dared to hope. But we need to know who we are. And I think that's where Paul, that's why he, he begins here. And, and as Calvin said, we need to know who we are. 
and we need to know how bad it is. This previous Sunday, I preached through Psalm 51, and it's a hard text to preach, Mm. but a good text to preach all at the same time. Mm. I mean, it's just a beautiful picture of David coming to grips with his sin, Mm. acknowledging that sin, confessing that sin, repenting of that sin, but that repentance results in a deep joy. And that's what you have here as we look and turn our attention to, well, what do we learn about God in this text? Right. Yeah. Verse four, he's, he's rich in mercy. You know, it's a new year. Maybe you're doing some financial planning. You're thinking about diversifying your portfolio and where you're going to invest your money and what you're going to be rich in. Is it gold or money market accounts? Our God is rich in mercy. He, He has mercy that is unending. He has mercy that's made new every morning, which means God's mercy that you need for this very day that you're listening to this has been custom fit like the perfect garment for you. Mm -hmm. You cannot out sin his mercy today. That teaches us infinite grace and uh, goodness about who our God is. Right. We can't exhaust God's mercy. Yes, he's rich in it. He's eternal in it. Yeah. I mean, he we can't find the end of his mercy. He loved us with a great love. Yes. And then the, the great thing is that we don't have to try to figure out what that is because Paul already labored on what does all of this mean in, in Ephesians 1. Yep. What, what you find here in verses 5 and 6, too, in, this, in Ephesians 2, is these three great together with mm-hmm. you know where he made us alive together with Christ and by grace you've been saved he raised us up together with him mm-hmm. and seated us together with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus and uh, and those three made alive raised up and seated for to three successive historical events in the saving work of Jesus. There's his resurrection, his ascension, and his present session mm. with Christ at the right hand of God. And and he says we're, we're together with him in each of those things. You know, Because he's been raised, we will be raised. Because he's ascended into heaven, we too will someday be with him. Even now we're seated with him in heaven. And although these... W- the words that are used are being used in the past tense. You know, it's uh, representing this event that has happened. It's also in um, what the Greek would say, the indicative mood, which is the mood of certainty that it's completed, it's Mm -hmm. guaranteed for us. And that really speaks to God's faithfulness. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about (laughs) earlier in the week, uh, the golden chain in Romans chapter 8, where at the end he says, and has glorified. You know, those whom he justified, those he also glorified. In that past tense, you know, we've we've been seated with Christ. Mm-hmm. And we can, I mean, the four of us are here in this room. We've got various ailments that we talked about off air and all that. And, you know, it's not that glorious right now, but so sure is God's faithfulness and so sure is mm-hmm. his work that we have been seated with Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so, so important to recognize in this text that, the work that is being done on behalf of the uh, the people of God, it's all of grace. Yeah, we are so tempted to, and I think we're hard, hardwired, at least in our fallenness, in the, to want to take some credit mm-hmm. for our salvation. Totally. And this text just takes the legs right out of that and says, "No, it's all of grace. Even the faith by which you are saved is a gift that you were given. Right. right. The, even your faith is not your own." Yes, you, it, it is your faith, just kind of like 
when my kids were really young and I was buying Mother's Day gifts for my wife. The kids were giving the gift to my wife, but not because they had done anything. I had done it all. Mm -hmm. And that's really, I think, the sense of what Paul is writing here. Yeah, it's your faith, but you really have very little to do, basically nothing to do with it. It's all It was all a gift. It was all a gift. I think if we reach back to yesterday in Matthew 16, where Jesus blesses Peter and says, it's the Father who's revealed this to you, Paul gives us more theological insight here when in verse five he says it's a god who has made you alive with christ right same kind of instance the the faith to recognize who christ is comes from the heavenly father but that making alive is to an end yes yeah. oh absolutely yep. and that that's really the great application in verse 10 mm. yep. that we were created we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works right which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, this goes back to his covenant of redemption from the very beginning, before time. This has been his plan for uh, you as a believer, that you would walk in good works. You know, circling back a little bit, you know, this whole idea of um, being dead in trespasses and sin, uh, you know, it's a re- and under the wrath of God. It's a reminder that there's a judgment to come, and it means that evil, even right now, matters. Yeah. It matters, and it means that one day that there's going to be justice, and God is not going to compromise with evil. He's going to judge it. Charles Spurgeon said, sin is the most expensive thing in the world. Its wages is death. Yeah. As you approach today, just go forward knowing that despite the great sin that we all enter this world with, we have a greater Savior. Um, we have a God of great mercy and love that not only has dealt with our sin problem, but has changed our hearts and made us alive in Christ so that we might serve Him in a way that pleases Him, that brings, brings honor a, to it. He brings us from death to life, from wrath to rescue, to mercy, love, and grace. We'll see you next time.